Welcome to Unity Talks, where the hiring experts of Dallas-based recruiting firm Unity Search engage in lively discussion with successful business leaders to dissect their careers and how they got to where they are today, the obstacles overcome to reach their success, and steps they've taken to stay at the top of their respective fields. So listen in as we provide you with the thought-provoking conversation and ideas that keep industries moving forward. And welcome back to the Unity Talk podcast. I'm your host, David Cathy. And today, when I think about our guest, and we just got off the phone earlier once again this morning, I think about intentionality in her life, in her career, and we're gonna explore that today. I'm super excited. We're jumping right in here. Super excited to introduce Christy Schuler to the podcast. We've been trying to get Christy on for a long time now. Thank you for welcoming me. It was, yes, it's been a, a little while. Mario's been trying to get me here for several years. Uh, for seven, <laughs> make note, several years. He finally came through. By the way, I, I, you know, I've never done this. I'm going to say shout out to Trey, who runs, yes. runs our board here yes, on the back great. end. And shout out to Mario, who <laughs> Mario, and for those that don't know Mario, Mario's been with us for seven years. And he started as a recruiter on our perm team, then he switched over to our contract team, and now he's leading our IT team. And so he's just continually growing with the organization and he brings the large majority of guests that you get to hear on our show. And he's been working on Christy for three <laughs> years. Three years, it's worked. That's persistence, right? <laughs> yes. That's yeah. why he's good at his job. <laughs> All right, so Christy, you gotta start off by telling us this company that you're at, cause it's just kind of fascinating to me. Yeah, so currently I work for um, Habemco LLC. So they're a personal lending business. Uh, they do subprime lending for loans that are like five hundred to two thousand dollars. And um, but what makes it interesting is they're owned by an Indian tribe, the Habematol, so um, Northern California. And so it's it's very interesting to see what they're going through and to support them through it. Yeah, it's so fascinating. And you work remotely here. Yes. And you have a team. And My even though the company is in California, your team is. In Atlanta. And mainly in Atlanta. Yeah, so all of finance was originally in Atlanta, and that's where my boss and my team is. But they couldn't find someone with personal lending background, so I, they called me, and that's how I found the job. And the magic takes it's, place, Yes, right? it's going great. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> and it's been almost a year now. Yes, yes. Right? Getting close. Coming up close. <laughs> All right, so we're going to throw it in reverse, okay. and we're going to talk about you know how you got to where you're at sitting in this chair, outside of the fact that Mario suckered you <laughs> right. into being here. Okay, so um, so Oklahoma. Yes, yeah, so I'm from Duncan, Oklahoma, a small town in southwest corner. Uh, the biggest city near us is Lawton, mm -hmm. where Fort Sill is, but we had about 25,000 there at the time when I was living there, and um, so my mom... Uh, was a legal secretary. My dad worked at Halliburton, which, fun fact about Duncan, is where Halliburton started. <laughs> I, so I had to look it up when you told me that because I didn't believe you. Right. In all honesty, I'm like, <laughs> she doesn't know what she's talking about. I'm from Houston. Yeah. This is where Halliburton's from. Right. You were right. Earl P. Halliburton. Start, started in Duncan, Oklahoma. And here's right. what's crazy. So yeah, 25,000 people in the yes. 2020 census of Duncan, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. 
and I looked at Halliburton today, it's 46,000 employees globally and so 22 billion in revenue. And that started years ago in tiny old Duncan, Oklahoma. If only they were still there. If all, yeah. <laughs> it would be much bigger. Yeah, it would not be tiny old Duncan, Oklahoma. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. But it's it was a great small town, had everything you could want. Um, they're close by. You hated it at the time you lived there because it was too small, but really, really yeah. it's nice. Well, I think about that, not from my perspective, because as I just mentioned, I'm from Houston, yes. so giant city. So I'm, I'm uh, at one Opposite. point in my life, I'm ready to get out of a giant right. city. Uh, my wife is from Carlsbad, New Mexico, which is probably about the size of Duncan, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And um, and I, when I visit, I was like, oh my gosh, man, how do you, how did you make it here for 18 <laughs> years? And you know, having been away and going back, she's like. I don't really know how I, it's all we ever knew. Yes, it is all you ever knew. And like I said, you had, you had everything you wanted, grocery stores, you yeah. know, the, you had a bowling alley, you had a skating rink, you had everything you needed as a kid. Yeah. It, yeah. it was great. And you could walk to your grandparents' house. You could walk to your friend's house. It was nice. Did everybody know everybody? Yes. Yeah. They still do. <laughs> yes, they still do. They still do. Younger sister who still is there. That's yeah. why you know they still do. Yes, I have a sister that's 10 years younger, still lives in Duncan, and um, they do know, everybody knows, she knows all my friends from that time. Yeah. She knows all my parents' friends, and, you know, she has her group, so yes. Here's what's so fascinating as I got to know your story a little bit that we're sharing here is a lot of times I'll talk to people and they're like, oh, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. I wanted to be a pro golfer. And I asked you and you're like, no, when I was 16, I knew <laughs> I was good at accounting and that's what I was gonna do. Right, you know? right. <laughs> you just um, knew. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I guess as a kid, you assume you're gonna grow up and do what your parents do. Mm -hmm. um, but I did not want to uh, be a legal secretary or a machinist. So in high school, junior year took my first accounting class and I always knew I liked math and that was I was like okay I can do this so I should go to account go to college do accounting and mm -hmm. um, it was easy yeah. not easy there but it was easy to make the decision easy to make decision and for you um, the way your mind works yes. accounting could be simple but it's not easy things are right. simple but not, not easy exactly. right the way your mind works like exactly. you gotta work hard yes at times um, you chose uh, talking about the intentionality kind of how yes. I started this right right because you were you're so intentional about the decisions you make in your life and your career and you intentionally chose the University of Tulsa yes so again junior year they showed up for college night at this high school went to I randomly chose them to go to and uh, they small school you know, 3,500 students at the time, and I knew it was big enough, it was far enough from home, but I wouldn't get lost in the group, and I could, um, think I could find really good friends, really have um, the relationships I needed with the um, professors. Yeah. So it was easy to make that decision, too. <laughs> yeah, just far enough where you could go home yes. for a weekend, Yes. if you needed to, but not too close where you went home every weekend to get your laundry done. No, and they didn't show up on my doorstep. And and mom and dad <laughs> didn't come chase you down trying right. to pawn off your 10 yes. year younger yes. sister yes. on you. you know? <laughs> so um, it was great. Yeah, so super intentional about why you chose yes. them, went through the path of accounting. Oh, yeah. and, and the student teacher ratio, because some people yes. get that, 
you know, what I was thinking about earlier, some people get that mindset of, oh, I've got to go to the big university. I've got to go to a Power Five conference if it's going to be right. any. And yeah. when we actually have managers who say, I want someone from a Power Five conference school, and we serve those managers um, the best way we can, but in the back of all of our minds at times is like, and you're just, you're you're missing out on such a large segment of the population yeah. who are just as, if not more, talented in many scenarios than people who went to one of those big giant schools. Yes. Yeah. I I never had a class more than forty. Yeah. You know, ever. And I, when I was in my accounting specific classes, you know, it was all the same group and there was probably 20 of us. Yeah. Yeah. So you get to know each other really well. You lean on each other. You study together. Yes. You know? Yeah. It was, it was good. I just think back about the relationships I made and the people I met and how, how everything led me to where I am today. Yeah. Well, I've been on the campus and it's a beautiful campus. It is. It really is. So much nicer now than when I was there. Well, that's what they used some of your tuition yes, money to do. Yes, that's what my do. money paid so, for is yes. the, all the nice new buildings. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so, and then you intentionally, after a, a year or so, you intentionally moved down to Dallas. You had a cousin here, and yes. Dallas just had more opportunity to further your career in a bunch of different industries. Yeah, it actually only took me three months after graduation to move here. Like okay. I said, my cousin was here, and I knew I could find a job easier, moved down here. Um, I got a job with... KPMG working in their internal accounting area. Um, I never wanted to do public accounting. Mm-hmm. Auditing, tax was never my my forte. So I went um, to their internal, spent a year there, and then moved to the associates where I have um, quite a tenure. So I was at associates and then City bought them about a year and a half after I was there. Um, yeah. I started out in consumer lending okay, um, and then moved over to City Financial Mortgage, the subprime mortgage area and worked there for about eight years. Yeah, us old timers know, remember <laughs> the associates. Yes. Um, all they, the trucks driving around all, and then the colorful uh, little emblem that yes. they had and all that good stuff. Yes. And, city you know the big guys come in and swoop them up as they often do yeah it was i mean it was great working there i met uh, so one of my managers at the time she's still one of my really good friends now and you were just you were a person there Mm -hmm. and that's one thing I've, i've talked to mario about before is that you were a person at the associates and then the longer we were with city you became just more of an employee number because they were so large yeah and yeah. so that Get made lost. it difficult. Yeah, you get Which, lost, and I don't like to do. Exactly. <laughs> Hence, University of right. Tulsa, right. why you went there, yes. you know? So yeah. that makes sense. One of the things that though, I want to touch on real quick is you had said early on, I was given an opportunity by uh, my managers to be in a supervising position yes. and to lead people, and they trusted me for that. Why do you think they trusted you? What What was it that made them trust you? Um, I think really it's about presenting your skills um, and just in general being approachable Mm -hmm. and so I was easy to talk to I had already shown them what I knew and what I could do and that's one thing I've always done when I start a job is I try to learn every aspect of it I ask a lot of questions Mm -hmm. and um, even if it's a minute detail I want to know because it really could drive something in the, the macro level yeah. And uh, so I think that's what helped. So I was there a year, um, originally at Associates, and had then 
been moved into a supervisor role of the department that I had started in and then also taken on another department. Uh, my manager just believed in me. She was yeah. easy to talk to and share with and I was, I made quite a few improvements. That's another thing I do is um, I like to process improve mm -hmm. and I would meet with her and show her what I thought should happen. And I think that's it. If you can make those improvements and show somebody and um, sell your idea, that's what um, made her see that I could do the job. You know, we're going through I, I, one of my clients and I don't work with many clients anymore. Mm -hmm. I, I'm kind of on the back end working through our people, but uh, one client in particular right now that I'm actually helping directly, um, we're going through this exact thing where they hired someone and that person kind of sits back and wants to be told what to do. And so now they're looking uh, for an additional person oh, right. to come in. Yeah. And it's just a lot of managers really need, not, maybe the majority, vast majority, I'm talking 98% mm -hmm. type, need someone that is going to volunteer or look for areas to improve or yes. come up with ideas like, We've said this before on this podcast, don't just do the job as it's written on the paper from when you took it, but looked, you got to do that yeah. and do it well, but you got to look to make improvements and do more. Yes. Yeah. And I've, a lot of people that I've worked with or worked for me, I, I mean, that's the first thing I tell them. I said, this is how we do it, but that's not how you have to do it. Please, please find some better way. There's always efficiencies to find, but I think people aren't really thinking about other tools outside of what they already have. Um, so technology is a tool that not everybody has access to, but it doesn't mean you can't present an idea that would make it better. So they all think that, oh, well, I made it better in Excel, but that's not really making it better. What do you think we really need to do in this area? And that's, mm -hmm. um, that's what I always tried to do mm -hmm. is to say, hey, we, we don't have this, but if we had something that could do this, I. I'm not technology, I don't, I'm not that person, but I can say surely there's something out there that can help us do better. Yeah, it's, uh, I've been using this term a lot lately. It's like, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so, you know, if you're not a techie person, but you're good at accounting and you hire someone who's a little bit younger in their mm -hmm. career and they're much more tech savvy yes. than what you or I are. <laughs> yes. And it's like, let's lean on them. Cause we don't know, I, I mean, I could make it better. In, well, I could way back in the day, make mm -hmm. it better in Excel. But maybe there's something else out there that's just even better than that. Yes. That cuts, even if it cuts an hour or 30 exactly. minutes, the compound effect of that over years is tremendous Yes. from a time saving standpoint. Yes. Right? Yeah. And then you can use that, whatever that new tool is or new method is as inspiration in other areas, yeah. right? So it's not a direct application, but it's inspiration to improve other areas, right? It has right. a trickle down effect. It does. It does. And you have to to your own horn, because if you don't, they don't know what you can do. That's good. And that's one thing I was not shy about. Yeah. So here's what I've done. Here's what I've created. Here's how it's made things better. I think we should move forward with this. And, but you just, you don't get that from everybody. They mm -hmm. may make it better, but they don't tell you. So you don't know. And so when you hire people for, for you mm -hmm. to work for you, are you pretty upfront? Yes. with them about you know and even nudging them throughout the years like 
I don't know. Can you make it better? Is it that's, is there a better way? That's what I'm always asking. Is there something you can do better? Um, this takes us two hours because surely it can take us one hour. Um, what can you do to make it better? Show me. Um, or hey, I here's how I think it's the best. But if you think there's something better, please recreate it, present mm -hmm. it to me, and show me that it's better or it only took you half the time that it takes me. And so, yeah, I'm always asking for that. Yeah, I've always been fearful of the words. You know, they always say it's the seven most dangerous words where it's like, that's the way we've always done it. Right. And I'm I always know. really fearful, but I feel like I need to, like listening to you, I feel like looking at myself, I need to push people to don't just listen to me, the words that I say, like, yeah. you know, if you can find a better way, then teach me that better. Right. Like I want to know too, because yeah, sometimes I can get stuck in what made me successful, but that yes. doesn't mean that's going to make you successful 15, 20 years later. Right. Don't be afraid. Um, I have some people that work for me now, or they're always asking for training from me. What do I not know? Oh, can you show me how to do that? It, which is really good. Um, a relatable example was I went at Chili's the other night and I ordered something on the menu and she didn't know where to find it on her in her uh, whatever she puts the handheld order, yeah, device. The handheld device and uh, I was just like she's like I said well I think it's in the special menu so she she's like oh I didn't even know we had that so I don't even work there and I'm teaching her yeah. something yeah. new but you got to be willing and she's like thank you for telling me about that now I know yeah and you got to be able to accept that from other people yeah that's a really good example so. yeah I've, I've I feel like going back and telling everybody like hey can y'all teach me how to do this job right. now that's what I need to tell like teach me how to do the job I've been doing right and yeah. be open to it it's good you know yeah that's really good okay so so you go to city city's giant you yes. kind of get lost in the mix yes. that's not your cup of tea right right so I left there and I tried contract work for a short time at Kaiser Permanente. They were moving from Fort Worth to Colorado. Um, I quickly learned I did not want to do contract work. <laughs> uh, so I, that was only, I mean, like maybe six months. And then I went from there and went to Recaro Aircraft Seating. And so they manufacture the airline seats for commercial airlines. So here's what's crazy, okay? You go, you go from banking to Recaro. Yes. So you know, back in the day when I think of banking and when I say back in the day, I mean like, you know, early 2000s, right. late 1990s. Yes. It's like you're always dressed up yes. really nice to manufacture. Like who in the world would hire someone from banking and personal lending <laughs> to a manufacturing company? Right. So like that just doesn't happen anymore. Wildly uh, different. Um, it's great. I think I just had a, a spark with um, my manager. I think that's how I how things work out well. It just, we had a great conversation. Uh, I think accounting can transition to anything. Um, a lot of people don't, but debits are, or debits and credits are credits. You just have to reorganize mm -hmm. your spreadsheets and your thoughts a little bit, but ultimately it's all the same background. And, but I had that relationship I hired. I really loved those years. Um, Ricard Aircraft's owned by a German company. Mm -hmm. It gave me the chance to travel to Germany quite a bit. Oh, wow. I, lo I love that. Um, and I hated to go, but again, they were rearranging things yeah. um, with how the company worked. They, they ended up moving a lot of it over back to Germany. Mm -hmm. uh, so at that point in time, oh, you know, I moved. That's how I, 
I made my transition, but manufacturing accounting, I loved it. Yeah. 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 Well, even the environment. So just yes. spend a moment here because again, you know, you go from an office to, I would assume some type of plant warehouse situation where offices are on the front side of it maybe. Yeah. And so the offices were in the front, all the manufacturing was done in the back. Okay. Uh, I guess, you know, front corner now because yeah. they're such huge facilities. Exactly. And uh, there was, I don't know, 30 of us in the office area. Yeah. And, but it was also working for a German company. You're more dressed up then also. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So the ones in the office, you're still a little more dressy. And so it wasn't such a transition coming from mm -hmm. the banking world like that. Um, mm -hmm. We were still, it was business casual for the most part, but unless the Germans came here and then they wanted you yes, a little more forward. Yes, of course, <laughs> yes. But it, even, what about, inter like, were you going out and interacting with people in the plant? Like, that's something you Not, would never do when you were at City or, you know, they're, they're your coworkers. Right. And you see a finished good that is being made, which is way different than a non-finished good service. Yeah, um, my interaction, you don't interact so much with the production group. Okay. But inventory, of course, yeah. I am. Um, I was constantly in contact with the inventory team about did we receive this? We're paying it. You know, just the difference between what we received, what we're paying, the invoices. Uh, so yeah, I was out there a lot. I gotta and, think that a lot of people wouldn't have made that transition because going from, you know, city to a manufacturing. Right. Um, just because there can be some scariness when you're making that drastic of an industry change. Not, so you're not only making a career change, yeah. which can be scary enough, but you're making a big industry change, which is, uh, having not done it, you just hear about it, which can be wildly different. I guess, um, I just never even thought about it. Yeah. I just made the change. It was something that I thought was interesting. I had never truly heard of Recaro before that, but you should have seen my husband's eyes light up when I told him oh, he because he's like, they make race car seats. Okay. Um, so that was, that was, he was just like, yeah. you have got to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and I was like, okay. So I interviewed and it just, I never even thought, oh, this is so different. I thought, oh, I'm great. I'm going to learn something different in accounting and be able to show that you can Cross. Well, and Christy, that's that's the mentality that you want. Yes. It's, I'm looking at the positive side and I'm looking at what I can learn and add to my skill set. Right. And that's uh, that's what you should that's what you should want for your career is a lifelong. That's why you're in the position you're in right now, because you're a lifelong learner. You want to be yes. challenged. You know, you don't want it to get old. You want to look at different things and see them not only through other people's lenses, as you refer to your staff, like right. teach me mm -hmm. how to simplify things, but you're also doing that by moving to different industries. And that's, yeah. and that's why, that's what, that's what leaders of organizations look for. That's always my hope. Yes. Yeah. It, well, <laughs> that, that they're open. Yes. Yeah. Well, your, your hope is accurate, <laughs> but here's what's so interesting. And what's really important to recognize as we advance through the story here is your network has also been really important in your career growth. Yes. And, and we talk a lot about that on this show is, you know, your net worth is your network and having opportunities that come to you 
is so important. So trying to get people back out to networking post COVID and having face-to-face -face interaction with people instead of just texting or some type of message right. board. But, <laughs> and, and that's how you've grown your network. Tell us how it's been impactful or how it was impactful for you getting back over to uh, your next stop. Yeah, so when I um, was looking for my next stop from Recaro to move on, I LinkedIn, of course, is a great tool. So I started looking on LinkedIn at my um, previous relationships and I reached out. I had heard about some openings possibly with um, with Santander. Yes. Um, but I know the chief accounting officer at the time was previously my external auditor at City, And so she was the auditing manager. And so I reached out to her. And so it was important. I, was, I had a good relationship with her, reached out, and she said, yes, I would love for you to come work here. Bingo. Yes. You had a good relationship. With, yes. Even though she was on the other side of the table, like she's right. the almost adversary. Yes. She's the external auditor. Yes. And But you still, your work ethic, you know, your your ability to build a relationship with someone, like yes. she remembers that instead of like, oh yeah, I remember her. Right, from, I mean, don't call me. No, yeah, right. <laughs> she is not gonna come work here. She was terrible. Like that's so important. And it, yes. it's, you never know who's watching. Exactly, you don't. And um, I, I never thought I would work with an external auditor. I mean, we all, dislike our auditors to some point <laughs> uh, it's just the way it is yeah. but they're they're there to make sure we're we are handling the processes correct mm -hmm. and that we're presenting our financials correct and um they're going to ask those hard questions mm -hmm. and we have to remember that uh, and at the end of the day are they are they reasonable do they work with you and um do they ask good questions because if they're good questions meaningful questions then I, I'm so happy to share. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I was so happy about, about her and yeah. being able to work with her again, and it was great. And she was um, there about a year. Yeah. So I went to work at Santander and she was there for another year. And then she retired. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so then uh, I got a new controller, but it it was good. I was, I loved working back with like my old network again. There were so many people from City that worked at Santander. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. And um, I met with them and it was good to be back in that circle again. We all knew how each other worked. It was an easy transition back. Yeah, yeah. So banking, manufacturing, banking. Right. Super weird combo. You don't see that very often. <laughs> You're welcome. But it works. It works. And yes. it, was, it worked for you, which is it great. Did. That's it did. It we're worked great. For. Yeah. And that network is so critical because, like you said, not only did that network get you the job, right? Yes. But the network you built at City, you know, when, when that moved and people right. leave and it got a lot of them went to, to Santander. Uh -huh. And so now you're back working with these people that already knew you and you already knew them. And there right. wasn't this, oh my gosh, Christy's starting here. Can you believe, you know, it wasn't yeah. an adversarial. It was very exactly. welcoming. And that's what that's what organizations want. I can attest to. That's what organizations. We want people who want to be with each other, that consider them a family, and and strive to be the best. Yes. You know, and that's what you that's what you had. Yeah, it was um, it was nice. I just I couldn't imagine any other thing. And meeting with um, 
And all the new people that I met there too, though, were excellent. Yeah. I, it just it made it easy. So I actually came on as a, a lower position mm-hmm. just to transition, but quickly was able to again show um, what I could do and um, ending up moving up again. Yeah. So it worked so out good. well. Yeah, so good. Okay, so the last stop, which brings us full circle to what you were describing right. at the beginning here, it, it, again, it's very intentional because you take a step back and you look at your life and you go, okay, here's my stage in life and here's my stage in career. Mm-hmm. And so I'm intentionally making this job move because it satisfies both of these check marks, yes. these boxes that need to be checked off. So yes. tell us a little about, about the thought process that you kind of go through stage in life, stage in career. Does this make sense? Yeah. So I was not actively looking for a new job. Um, I got a call from a recruiter and you know, it, it, pays to have LinkedIn update. I bring that up again. It was, yeah, <laughs> it's another yeah. tool that people find you in. The so. one recruiter in your network, that's not Mario. Right? Yes, not Mario. Okay. He okay. didn't find me in LinkedIn. Just checking, just checking. <laughs> but a recruiter from, um, so they were actually out of Atlanta called me. Okay. And because I had the personal lending background. And so I was like, they told me about the job. Um, that I would be 100% remote since it was a Northern California company. And so that got my um, wheels churning and thinking about it. And um, I was like, what, where am I at right now? And my son um, was switching schools and moving on up to middle school at that time. And of course he chose to go to a middle school that's not specifically by our house. So you know, they don't offer the bus, they don't offer any transportation. So this way I knew I'd be able to take him to school, pick him up. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was like, sure, I'll interview and see if this works out. And it did. So I switched uh, last August, mm-hmm. August 22, made the transition. Yeah, good for you. And it's been good learning. It has been good. I um, mentioned again to Mario last time I talked that I'm back to a person again. You don't, you're no longer in a larger company growing and you're losing your own person, which as you, it's kind of my theme. Mm-hmm. I like a smaller environment yeah. so that I can showcase what I can do. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's so good that, you know, you, you take a step back because often we get caught up in this rat race yes. of life and career and trying to be the biggest person at the largest, largest right. organization. And sometimes you just really need to take a step back and yes. say, okay, what, what is the most important thing right now? And, you know, the flexibility for your family and your yes. son going into a new school and just having that opportunity. Not that you didn't have flexibility otherwise, right, I did. but, right. you know, this was that I get to learn. Um, I'm, I'm ready to get to a controller level where I have responsibility for pretty much everything, yes. right? From an yes. accounting standpoint. And I'm able to do and satisfy the needs of my family. Right. You know, so there's that intentionality behind it where you get to grow for your career and you're still developing from that. Yes, yeah. So I'm nowhere near the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, I, even in this year, I've, just, I've learned um, a lot, uh, just how things are handled differently um, with an Indian tribe and how they run companies and how they're looking, how their outlook is different being a sole owner versus a corporation having all of the um, the dividend owners. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so interesting. Okay, so as we wrap up here, I've got to I've got to ask, what is the to our listeners, whether they're growing in their career or they're a leader and they have people working for them, you know, if you were to summarize your best piece of advice, how would you walk away and, and leave people with your advice? Uh, so basically my advice would be to find somewhere that you're happy, um, not get in a hurry to, to move up necessarily, allow the time to show what you can do, that they can um, experience it, see your skill set, really find um, your path. Um, but definitely, it's I, I find too many people that tend to just want to move every six months, every year to a new position, and that's, that's not necessarily getting you to where you want to be in life. Mm -hmm. Might get you a little more money, but you may still be a, a senior accountant level 10 years later because you've never stayed somewhere to really make those moves up yeah. and show what you can do. So yeah. that's that's where what I see right now I'm um, and how I've kind of lived my life. It's not for everybody, mm -hmm. um, but for some people that they could work that way. Yeah, well, I think that's really good. Um... I'm, I'm going to come back to that in a second as okay. I wrap up because I, I want to come back to that with a very specific example that I led this off with. Okay. Um, but it, personally, the thing that I feel like I'm taking away from you, and it was it was probably in the middle of the show where it was like, um, you know, we don't know any everything, right? And we don't want to do business the way we've always done it. And sometimes old fogies like me kind of get stuck in that. And, mm -hmm. For me, constantly reading books and listening to podcasts and trying to learn, but also, it's almost as if I wanna I wanna do better at not forcing. I'm gonna use the word force mm -hmm. um, a little bit stronger than nudge, you know. Yeah. But forcing people on my team to like tell me a better way. Like I want you to find a better way to try to accomplish what we're here to accomplish and really push them to think more outside the box like you were referencing earlier, yeah. you know, and I, I want to get better at that. Where I was going to go earlier, where it's not a job move um, every six months or a right. year because you're still stuck in that senior. And and that's kind of how we started it. You know, you've referenced Mario a lot and yeah. I referenced him at the beginning <laughs> and, you know, he was, you know, three years in. Right. You know, running a perm desk, and then he was three years developing relationships with our clients, and and he's grown from that. Now he's running uh, a startup division for us that we've had, and and that division is IT. And so, as I wrap up, you know, I think following that, he's a testament to exactly what Christy and it's who Christy has a great relationship with, and he's a testament of how that can build and grow your career to where now. The role that you play for an organization and that he plays for us is so critically important. And, and But it, sometimes it takes time and it doesn't happen overnight. And all those years that you put in, those years develop you for the role that you're going to ultimately play for that organization. So I think that's super important. And um, yeah, so in speaking of talking about IT, if we have listeners or if you're listening to this and your peer is in IT, you know, please reach out to myself um, at Unity. We've had IT for about a year now and uh, they are beginning to take off. And we know that the world is working towards information technology at an incredibly fast rate and it's not gonna slow down. And Unity IT wants to be on the front end of that. So please reach out to us. 
Christy, thanks so much for Thank you. coming in. It was great talking to you. She's like one of the easiest people to talk to. I was telling her that. She's so easy to talk to. So I had a good time. I'm glad I finally came in. <laughs> yes. Three years. Three years. It, it and was we finally worth it. got you. Okay, good. <laughs> Good. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us week after week. And please share our podcast with people in your network. And until next time. If you're looking for the next step in your career or the missing piece for your team, Unity Search has you covered. Whether it's finance and accounting, tax services, information technology, or human resources, Unity Search is here for you with experienced and dedicated hiring professionals. Reach out today and take the next step. Unity Search, placing you first.